Hello, and welcome to A Call for Love. I believe the most powerful gift you can offer yourself is to give and receive love more freely. I'm your host, Linda Orsini, meditation guide and spiritual coach. Everyone has the desire to be seen, heard, respected, and loved. The journey to becoming more connected to your greater purpose lies within the ability to live from the deep source of love within you. Let's begin. Welcome to episode 18 of A Call for Love. I'm so excited to be here with you today because 18 is a special number for me. Not only was I married to Gord on the 18th of July, but also 18 in numerology, if you add the one in the eight, you get nine, which is the number of completion, just like 27, and of course, nine itself. And in the Bible, one and eight stand for new beginnings and abundance. And that equals success. I had a friend I taught with, and she was Jewish, and she told me that often they would give gifts of money in multiples of 18, symbolizing giving the recipient the gift of life or luck. And finally, did you know that one could mean one consciousness? We are all, all one. And eight sideways is the infinity symbol. Not to mention there are 18 holes on a golf course. So there are so many reasons to really love and embrace the number 18. And I'm happy to be here with you today, celebrating episode 18 on A Call for Love. And today's message is very special because I want to share with you the five differences between self-esteem and self-compassion, because that's what I'm an advocate for, working with highly sensitive people, being highly sensitive myself. I really need to tap in and to self-compassion, which has really, truly been a life changer for me. So let's begin. To set a little precedence here, I'd like to share that as a school teacher for over 30 years, especially at the beginning of my career, self-esteem was strongly promoted. We wanted to build a child's self-esteem. And I have said this before on A Call for Love. And I would like to share here the five steps we use to really differentiate between self-esteem versus self-compassion. And if you haven't guessed, I'm an advocate for self-compassion, just like Christine Neff's work and Chris Germer's work, the leading gurus of self-compassion. Of course, there are other people who have advocated for self-compassion, but through their work, it really shines through all the benefits. Let's begin with self-esteem. Self-esteem actually is comes from the outside. It's an external process, as opposed to self-compassion that is an internal process. Have you ever noticed that you get acclimates and therefore you feel better about yourself? That is a product of self-esteem. You get your validation through others, through experiences. Feeling this wishy-washy and unreliable source of self-esteem coming and rooting from others can fluctuate depending on your success or failure. And that's what's so pivotal here because relying on the praise of others and comparing yourself to others can either boost your self-esteem 
or deplete your self-esteem? Have you ever noticed if somebody gets a promotion and you don't? How's your self-esteem? When somebody wins that winning goal, how does the one winning team feel versus the losing team? This is what I mean. When we base our success or failures on external processes, we get affected and our self-esteem can fluctuate because we depend on that external stimuli. But you know, with self-compassion, you don't have to. It's independent. Being an internal process, over time, it creates a more stable sense of self and self-worth. It's a reliable source of comfort and support as it relates to our personal thoughts and feelings. We can be self-reliant. And you know, here, this is the thing. It doesn't require judgment or comparison. As a mindset, movement, and meditation coach, and really advocate for health and wellness, we do not want to judge. That's the whole premises of mindfulness, to be present on purpose in the moment without judgment. So how can we offer ourselves self-compassion if we are including judgment? We don't want to do that. We do not want to have judgment or comparison. That is the key. The second reason why I'm an advocate for self-compassion over building self-esteem is that self-esteem, because it comes from the outside, is actually the ego. It's a product of the ego, thereby originating in the mind. It creates this separateness, this me, this I, as opposed to creating a mentality of connecting with your higher self. When you connect with your higher self, you realize you're part of the human experience. You realize that we are all on the same journey, which I have said so often in A Call for Love. This is what I really advocate for. That when you know that we are part of this human experience, when it's not an I mentality, but a we mentality, we can tap into our higher self. We can tap into our heart center because self-compassion comes from the heart. It has to come from this heart. And everything that comes from the heart can move forward. And when we realize that we're all on this journey and no one's life is perfect, we can offer ourselves the space to tap into self-compassion. Have you ever seen this with a toddler when they're in the I, 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 me, me, me stage, when everything revolves around themselves and when they don't get something, when they don't get that toy or when they don't get that cookie or privilege, it ends up in a stream of tears. Well, of course, we are not toddlers anymore. We are adults on our journey. And when we really are working from the ego place, we set ourselves up for being dependent on the mind approving or disapproving, creating success or failure in our viewpoint. And we don't want to do that. Self-compassion is so much more richer. It's richer because it allows us 
to really connect with being human, to realize we're all in this together. Now, the third, which is very, very interesting, and people always say to me, oh, self-compassion is selfish. No, self-compassion and offering yourself self-compassion is absolutely not selfish. It's actually biologically sound. Because when you tap into self-compassion, it's based in love and it allows us to feel confident and secure by pumping up our oxytocin. It activates the part of the brain associated with compassion and positive feelings and emotions. When we decrease our stress by releasing oxytocin, it helps us to feel calm, trusting, nurtured, soothed, and comforted. That's what self-compassion provides biologically for us. Does that not sound like something that you want to invite into your life? I know that many listeners here on A Call for Love are very compassionate to other people's, but inviting self-compassion into our own heart space, that's the challenge sometimes. And that's the invitation. Because when you are dependent on self-esteem, it's a problem-solving part of the brain processing in the brain with the ego. It is based in fear as self-criticism makes us feel insecure, sending our amygdala into overdrive and flooding our system with cortisol. We do not want this. This increases our stress by releasing adrenaline, that fight, flight, or freeze response due to feeling emotionally attacked or defensive. That's what happens. We get our breath becomes shallower. We tend to get that energy. And that's when we can react instead of respond. And we do not tap into our higher self. We do not tap into our calmer self, the self of us that can offer compassion, not only to ourselves and others. So biologically, there is a shift in our body. And when you say to somebody, oh, just relax. No, they cannot relax, especially if they are pumped up with this adrenaline of getting stimuli outside of the self through self-esteem. When you see teammates in these games, football, hockey, lacrosse, all the games out there, when you see these sports and they are on the field and they are scoring, they are getting this adrenaline rush. And when you get that adrenaline rush, it is coming from external. It's validation. It's hearing the crowds scream and cheer for you. But, you know, self-compassion is not a loud, glamorous practice. It's an internal practice. But when you work from the inside out, when you heal from the inside out through self-compassion, wow, your whole energy can shift. Now, it's not going to be go, go, go energy like the hyperness of through self-esteem and the ego. But it is such a grounding, comforting, and stable energy that really allows you to tap into your higher self and really be the light and love for yourself 
to find the empathy for others. Self-compassion allows us to find empathy for others. I just love the benefits of practicing self-compassion. Next, number four, the difference between self-esteem and building self-compassion is our self-talk. You guessed it. If you are building self-esteem, you are promoting critical self-talk. Wow, have you ever gotten a report card or um, a review in your work that is actually telling you how you did? What happens? What is going on in your mind? You know, that critical inner critic of self-talk, berating, comparing, judging. You are setting yourself up for trouble when you go into that space. But when you practice and build the self-compassion muscle, you inspire kind-hearted and compassionate self-talk. It comes from a place of loving kindness. And when you really know that you're one, just like the number 18, the one in the 18, when you know you are one, one with the universe, one with humanity, one with source, one with your consciousness, then it is an invitation to really be kinder to yourself and know that you're doing the best you can at this time in the present moment. And last is the feelings that self-compassion can bring to you. Self-compassion, as I say before, it creates feelings of safety and security, which is always available to you because you're always with yourself. And the best friend you will ever have in your life is yourself. Actually, maybe that's not true. Maybe the longest friend you'll ever have in your life is yourself. However, can we not make that our best friend too? Is that not the goal? As opposed to self-esteem, which creates feelings of fear and insecurity. Do you really want to de be dependent on the views of others? I come to think of it, feel like that really creates um, a scenario for setting yourself up for people-pleasing. And as we know, people-pleasing is not only non-authentic, but it doesn't really work. Because what pleases you may not please somebody else. And it's really not coming from your heart center. It's coming with an agenda. And your intention makes the difference. There's a quote by Kristen Neff. And she says, the motivation of self-compassion arises from love, while the motivation of self-criticism arises from fear. Love is more powerful than fear. Oh my goodness, I just got shivers down my back. My friend calls those God bumps. I love that. Love is more powerful than fear. Is this not the whole message of a call for love? When we are in a place of fear, overwhelm, anxiety, judgment, criticism, then there is a call for love. When you can shift your mindset to a place of love, then self-compassion can blossom 
empathy can blossom. We can spread that to other people, to animals, to plants, to our whole world. And this is the beautiful thing about a call for love because it's accessible to all of us. When we invite self-compassion, self-compassion is like the fuel. It's like the soil that we can grow in. And I really hope as I am recording this now, it is spring and I see everything growing. I really hope that you can invite self-compassion to grow into your heart so that you can blossom just like the flowers and the trees outside. Always wishing you peace, joy, love, and laughter. From my heart to yours, namaste. Thank you for listening. It would mean so much to me if you could share this episode with someone you feel could benefit from its message and subscribe to a Call for Love podcast to receive new weekly episodes every Tuesday. Head over to globalwellnesseducation.com to learn more.